What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. I am Brendan Schaefer, coming to you still from Jupiter, Florida. The day is Wednesday, March 3rd, as the Cardinals completed another Grapefruit League game this afternoon against the New York Mets. It had a little bit of a football score as St. Louis, the Battle Hawks, if you will, got the win with 14 to the 9 of, we'll say, the New York Jets. We'll go with the Jets over the Giants. 14-9, the Cardinals win today. It was a classic spring training slugfest where you started out with a rain delay here in South Florida. And then the runs, the sloppiness, there was a little bit of everything in this game that lasted over three and a half hours once they did get play underway and the rain subsided. But hey, it's baseball. We appreciate it. We like it. We love it. We're glad to have it back and to be marching toward the regular season But there has been some news in the last couple of days since we've last done a podcast. And to discuss some of that news, I'm going to pass it along to my buddy Craig, who sent in a voicemail message via anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Take it away, Craig. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for taking my question. Just wanted to get your opinion uh, with the news recently coming out, AAA delaying the season. Um, Essentially, what does that do from a player's uh, you know, point of view or mindset from a club's point of view. What does the front office think about it? How's it going to affect decision making um, from the club as a whole going forward with this delay that we know is now at least going to be a month? So, thank you to Craig there for kind of segueing us into the fact that the regular season for the minor leagues for the AAA level is going to be delayed. And that means the return of everybody's favorite, the alternate training site, as Major League teams, for the month of April at least, will use an alternate training site similar to the way they adopted things last year when there was no minor leagues to speak of. And the Cardinals, in their case, had their alternate site at Springfield, which is the home of the AA Springfield Cardinals. That was the facility they chose to utilize. Memphis, their AAA affiliates, a little further away, and so... Proximity is important when you consider the alternate site because last year it was used to have a couple different purposes with some of the recent drafted players in the organization's top prospects like Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor were sent to the alternate site to basically avoid having a completely lost season because the lower levels of the minor leagues where these guys would have been, they didn't play. And so rather than just have them sit at home, they wanted to get them some sort of development, some sort of work with the coaching staff, and so there was a select number of players that got that chance, even if they weren't guys that were expected to contribute to the Major League Club in 2020. They they knew going in that you wouldn't see Gorman, you wouldn't see Libertor on the Major League roster at any point, but they still spent the summer at the alternate site to get that work in. So that was one use for the alternate site, but the other use, the more primary use, and the one that John Moselock, we spoke to him Wednesday morning about the use of the site for this upcoming season, the use that's probably expected in 2021 for the Cardinals is to have it be an extension of the Major League roster filled with players that will serve as depth for the St. Louis Cardinals and can be called upon at any time because they're staying sharp down at wherever the alternate site might be this season. Uh, The Cardinals, John Moselock said, Springfield is definitely an option, although they do share that site with Missouri State, and so they need to kind of figure out exactly how the conflict there would work if they would be able to kind of take over the space as needed to use it for the month of April. 
and other options potentially they would like to see an option that would be closer and what I think would be fascinating and it wasn't mentioned by name by John Mozeliak but he did say you know independent ball sites stadiums could be an option and I live over there in O'Fallon Missouri which is pretty nearby the facility Carshield Field if you're familiar with the River City Rascals they no longer exist but they used to play over there and you've got the Ozzie Smith baseball complex as well that kind of sets up as pretty similar to the way the Cardinals backfields do down here in Jupiter I think that would be an awesome facility uh, if they would be able to use it I know the O'Fallon Hoots are a collegiate summer ball team that plays at that facility at this point in time and if I sound a little distracted it's because I'm watching Mizzou basketball in the background I'm sure they're about to lose to Florida and break my heart in just another particularly upsetting fashion but I think that would be an awesome area for the Cardinals to use for the alternate site they could do the Gateway Grizzlies facility in over in Illinois uh, you know a couple different options if Springfield Missouri doesn't work out but I was interested to hear John Lozalak talk about it today that again this is something that we've had to discuss throughout the last year because it's been going on. And so we have naturally wondered, like, what are the guys doing there? We don't really get a whole lot of media coverage down there at the alternate site. What kind of work are they getting in? Guys like Gorman, Libertor, is this going to impact their progression toward the major leagues? Because, look, if last year it happened, you figure those guys would have started at A or at least ended up at A by the end of the season. Maybe they would have gotten a look at AAA. Who knows if, if you know, they have, say, a Dylan Carlson-like season the way uh, he did in 2019, had that kind of progression to where you're knocking on the door by the end of a season, August, September. Who knows what, you know, we could be talking about with regard to these two prospects, Gorman and Libertor, at this point in time. But because we didn't get to see them, we're kind of just going off of, you know, previous year's numbers and the minors and what they did and, and this would have probably been 2020 for both guys, a pretty significant stepping stone toward hopefully being able to, you know, get some progression toward the major leagues. Since they didn't play, it's kind of hard to to fathom exactly where that puts them coming into this year. And so it's been a natural question to Moselak. But today he basically said, look, I think you guys are overestimating uh, the influence we're placing on this alternate side as a, as a means of player development. Like it, it's not ideal. It's not what we want, but it's, what the circumstances are demanding, and so we're going to have to roll with it for right now uh, until we can get this COVID thing figured out. And that was kind of interesting to hear because we've talked about, well, Libertor was able to get to face some guys he wouldn't have get to, You know, I wrote about it earlier in the, the time down here at spring training that he faced Yachty and DeYoung, and that was got some good feedback from that while he was last year at the alternate site because they could bust him up to Bush Stadium while guys were recovering from COVID. And so he got some experiences that he wouldn't have otherwise had. Interesting to hear Moselak basically say, yeah, I mean, sure, it's nice to paint a good picture on it, but honestly, it kind of sucks. And we don't intend to use this kind of format in the future. Once this COVID situation is over, the, the best thing that our minor leaguers can get toward their development is to be able to play minor league games and continue to you know advance throughout the system. And so that was kind of interesting to hear that 2021 – you know, they're going to use it for whatever it is. And you could see even Gorman or Libertor there. I'm not saying you're not going to see those guys at the alternate site because maybe the Cardinals determination will be, well, it's better to at least have them there, keep an eye on them and keep an eye on their progression rather than just have them wait until, you know, double A AA or triple A season starts up wherever they're going to put them. Uh, but I, I don't think they're looking at it as terms of, oh yeah, this is going to be great for their development because they can, they can go to the alternate site again. Like that's just not really the way that it's being viewed by the front office. 
And that's, you know, kind of an interesting situation for sure. So I appreciate the question again from Craig to allow me the chance to kind of explore that dynamic. It's funny, it was something I wanted to talk about anyway today, and then I saw when I got home from the game that Craig had left me that message. So I think that's great, um, you know, to be able to summarize front office. What do they think of it? They don't really like it. They don't think it's so great for the development of their players. The players themselves, I mean, look, they're going to give you some, I don't want to say lip service, but they're going to say what they need to say as a young guy trying to make their way in the organization uh, to be able to say, look, we're going to take the benefits that we can from the opportunities we're given. But all in all, I would say nobody loves this scenario and that was something that was kind of illuminating today. Like the line of questioning almost this morning, Mosaic was like, guys, I don't, I don't think you're quite getting it. Like it's, it's not really all it's cracked up to be. Uh, we're going to make the most of it, but it's, it's not an ideal circumstance. We'd rather have our guys playing games. And so I thought that was kind of interesting to hear. And then you get the perspective of a guy like John Nagowski, who's somebody I wanted to talk about from the game today. Look, I'm not going to get into all the dirty details of the 14 to nine win. We're going to talk about a few different guys from that Cardinals game on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, certainly, Kwan Young Kim, we'll have to talk about him for a little bit. But I want to start with something positive. Uh, John Nagowski, he's an interesting guy. He's kind of that Jose Martinez role, which is interesting because the Cardinals face the Mets today, where that's the, the team uh, Jose Martinez currently plays for. He had a couple of walks and a couple of runs scored in the game. But Nagowski's kind of that first baseman that they're going to force into some outfield playing time because they're trying to add flexibility to his game. Because, look, it, it doesn't matter who you are, what you can do, or what you've done previously. If you hit, the Cardinals are going to find room for you in their 2021 lineup. And that includes John Nagowski, and that includes the possibility that maybe he would have to play some outfield. They put Matt Adams in the outfield before. They've you know they've put guys out there that didn't necessarily belong out there. Hell, Marcelo Zuna played left field for this team for two years. So, <laughs> and listen, he's a former gold glover, so I, I joke. But the fact of the matter is, this outfield situation, they might think they've got it kind of figured out at this point with Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, and Tyler O'Neill. I still think you're going to hear more from a guy like Lane Thomas or Justin Williams as the season goes along. But there are other options, too, that if, if they find ways to hit, the Cardinals can stash somebody in a corner outfield spot. I don't think they're totally afraid of making a decision like that and doing it. I'm not saying that John Nagowski is going to be that guy, but he hits a three-run homer today. He is a guy that has pretty much hit at every, every level he's been at throughout the minor leagues, had success at AA, had success at AAA, and then just hasn't really gotten much of a chance at the big league level yet. Doesn't really fit anywhere as far as a starting position would go. Uh, but I, I think he could see some opportunities off this bench in that kind of late inning role where you got to have somebody that could hit a double, could hit a homer for you, and has to take a net bat against a tough relief pitcher. I think John Nagalski could potentially fit with that. And it's just, it's kind of hard to figure because those kinds of guys, you know, until they get the opportunity, guys that aren't huge home run hitters at the minor league level, but they've got consistent batting average, consistent on base, and, and solid slugging numbers. But he's hit, you know, I think he had 15 home runs in, in 2019 at Memphis. So, He's not a prototypical home run slugger, but a guy that can give you a good at-bat off the bench late in a game, that's kind of the style of player the Cardinals could be looking for in that role. And then they add outfield to his resume just because you never know when you might need, you know, when you might need the opportunity to put him somewhere. So uh, defensively, he's probably not going to be a huge plus wherever he plays, but certainly working hard to 
get reps in the outfield, working with Willie McGee. He said basically five days a week uh, when they're doing batting practice, live BPs, he's he's out there shagging and trying to work on that skill because he wants to prove that he belongs with this team. And certainly if you watch his home run on Wednesday, you, you could kind of see where he's coming from because uh, he's he's got a swing. He's got the potential to do damage. And look, damage is all the Cardinals can hope hope to find. And uh, maybe he's somebody that can emerge with the opportunities that he's given down here in spring, and potentially uh, not only make that bench, but but be in a you know a similar role to the way we've seen a guy like Jose Martinez in past years. You know, they they tried to make Ron Hill Ravello that guy. It didn't really pan out, and now he's no longer with the club. I believe DFA'd. So uh, you know, definitely an opportunity for Nagalski to maybe. Uh, carve himself out a role, and he's just got to continue to take good at-bats, I think, uh, this spring, and he'll be able to to kind of make an impression on different guys. But it was interesting to hear from him, you know, with regard to the alternate site. Somebody asked him about it, and he's like, you know, I'm honestly not thinking too much about what the status of the alternate site will be because I'm trying to do everything I can over the next few weeks to make an impression and make this make this ball club the, the one that plays in St. Louis. So interesting to hear from the Galski this afternoon. Uh, and, and interesting, certainly, to see him play and see him hit the home run, three-run shot that he did in the second inning of Wednesday's game. Had some other offensive contributions. Kisner had a nice day as a starter behind the plate. Backup catcher Ali Sanchez hit a home run. Jose Rondon hit a home run. A couple of long bombs in the eighth inning. Uh, and the Cardinals eventually get to 14 in terms of their total runs scored in the game and uh, did get the win. But Let's talk about some of the pitching because it was kind of a, a slog as far as the game was concerned for Cardinals pitchers. Johan Quezada is an interesting arm. Guy throws 99. Remember, they picked him up on a recent waiver claim, and he's six foot nine. He's a commanding, imposing presence and showed some of that elite stuff that he has. You know, when you can throw 97, 99, 99, and then mix in a, a, a slider in the upper 80s the way he did today, uh, you, you're going to get an opportunity. Now, it's all about being able to command that stuff, and I think that's probably what you've seen to this point in his career that he's not maybe been as successful at doing as Kobe Brown has a big putback for the Tigers. Golly, please win this game. So it's interesting. I'm not sure exactly what, what role Quezada will fill on this Cardinals team, but I imagine even if he doesn't make the club, you're going to see him at the alternate site and then be called upon as extra depth probably out of the bullpen at some point in time. If you throw 99, you're going to get a chance, and he's getting a chance to show what he can do this spring. And I think, yeah, to this point in his career, control has probably been an issue. But, uh, you know, we're I think the Cardinals are going to be content to see what he can bring to the table. And, and according to Mike Schilt today, one of the guys that was more around the plate than some of the others, and that wasn't exactly a guarantee, he said, in a day where a lot of guys weren't throwing strikes. Uh, Mitchell Smith with a huge three-pointer to go up eight, as I'm sure non-Missouri basketball fans care a whole lot about that play-by-play. But yeah, ultimately, when you give up nine runs, it's a trying day for what your pitching staff was attempting to do. Quezada looked decent. Tommy Parsons looked looked solid, inning in two-thirds. Uh, gave up a run, but you know was able to, to, to throw some competitive pitches for the Cardinals. Not sure he's going to be somebody that's really knocking on the roster radar. Probably an alternate site guy, though, as the season gets started. Uh, but let's talk about Quan Young Kim, who started this game for the Cardinals. And interestingly, talking to Mike Schilt after the game, probably became the first player in baseball, Major League Baseball, to be removed from a game in consecutive innings as Mike Schilt pulled him in the first inning for Angel Rondon because his pitch count was getting up there and it was getting to be a, a dicey situation for him. And then 
brought him back out into the second inning because that's allowed now here at spring training because he had only thrown, you know, 27 pitches and they wanted to get him up to 40 or whatever it was. And then he comes back out in the second inning. He looked better. Mike Schilt agreed that he looked better. He threw a strikeout and then did walk a batter to end his day at 39 pitches. But uh, kind of interesting to see him come out of the game and then return to the game to finish getting the allotted amount of work that he was supposed to have for the game. But he walked a couple of batters. He gave up like four hits, gave up four runs. Three of them were earned. And talking to Kwon Young Kim with his interpreter Craig after the game uh, via Zoom, it was not the day that he had envisioned for himself. And he basically kept saying he's going to have to go back and look at the video to see what had gone wrong. But he, he didn't have the location of his pitches like he, he wanted to. And the velocity, too, was something that was not in, in a position that he was happy about by any means. Uh, you know, he had talked with Wainwright in previous days, both of these guys kind of a little bit of a competition with one another to see who could throw a slower, slow curveball. Like Wainwright in his outing got a, a curveball in there at 68 miles per hour, and that was intentional. He wanted to kind of throw some get-me-over first-pitch curves at a slower speed to where the batter wasn't going to be anticipating a first-pitch curve at 68 miles per hour, and you have to kind of be prepared for that. And so that's something that Wainwright's been trying to mix in a couple times per outing, he's said, just to kind of keep guys honest and be able to keep them off balance. And so in, in hearing Adam Wainwright discuss a 68-mile-per-hour pitch on Zoom, KK said, oh, 68, okay, I'll try to beat that tomorrow. Well, that's not exactly the kind of uh, velocity situation that Kim ended up having. You know, he, he said the velocity was lacking, but it wasn't in a way that was intentional like he had planned on some of those curveballs. It was maybe the fastball lacking, just just not quite the crispness and the zip on the pitches that he's nor- normally going to have. And so uh, that's something that you could naturally kind of wonder, is that a perhaps an injury situation that the Cardinals need to be monitoring? Of course, they've been bringing him along more slowly so far in camp than some of the other starting pitchers. And I've got to tell you right here is where I paused and I had to watch the end of the Mizzou basketball game, and they held on with a miracle layup by Drew Smith with .7 seconds remaining. So thank you, Drew. Thank you, Mizzou. And we can now continue on in peace with the Cardinals podcast, right? And so Kwon Young Kim basically earlier in camp was delayed a little bit from the first time that he threw live BPs, hadn't thrown in a game yet until today. And, and according to Kim and according to Schilt, that's all just been a part of the plan for him, individualized for him as a veteran player, allowing him to kind of set his own pace and know his own body. You think, well, he's only been in the major leagues for two years, but he's a veteran pitcher in his 30s who's done this for quite a long time and, and knows probably as, as well as anybody that's here working for the Cardinals how to handle his body. And so they kind of can take the lead from him a little bit, and that's been what they said they've been doing so far in camp. But then you see he has low velocity and he's unsure with what's going on. Kind of makes you wonder, but he did say he feels great physically. He feels healthy. He doesn't feel ill, doesn't feel anything, you know, that wrong on that front. And this was after his outing. So for right now, I would say they're going to take his word for it and, and going to allow him to see how he recovers and, and move on from there. And hopefully it was just a, a condition, a situation of, look, you, your first time out there facing guys in another uniform didn't go the way you wanted it to, but that doesn't mean you can't bounce back and still have a, a really productive camp. It's just a little bit different to see after last season in, in Grapefruit League play. He was dominant. Lights out was Kwon Young Kim. Don't believe he even allowed a run down here before everything shut down in mid-March. So just going to have to wait and see, I guess, to see how uh, Kwon Young Kim responds. 
You know, similar situation for Miles Michaelis, though he hasn't gotten himself into a game as of yet. Uh, Cardinals still taking caution with him and not exactly sure what the, the development and the progress of that's going to look like, but maybe if he throws a bullpen session within the next couple of days, we'll be able to get a sense for how he's tracking as toward the regular season beginning on April 1st. So that's kind of where things stand for the Cardinals right now after Wednesday's game. They've got a couple of games on the road as far as things are concerned down here in Jupiter, Florida, as they'll head to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches a little bit south of here for the next couple of games as they take on one game against the Astros and one game against the Washington Nationals. And quite frankly, as I'm doing this podcast, I don't know which game comes first, but I know that's where they'll be for the next two days. So we'll take the trek a little bit south from here and then maybe go play disc golf after the game because that's a little bit closer to where I've been playing disc golf down here. So uh, we'll wait and see how things are going to shake out for that. I'm sure we'll have plenty of updates coming from those games as we're back on the podcast train after taking a couple of days off. So make sure that you subscribe to Be Safe Daily if you want to make sure that you never miss an episode. And you can find us at Apple Podcasts. They don't call it iTunes anymore, folks. I may not have an Apple phone, but I, I at least know that much. Spotify, though, is another place that you can find the podcast as well as Google and various other places. If you have a weird podcast app and you're not sure why I never say its name, head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, click more platforms, and you can find out if your platform is one that we use here at B Shafe Daily. So appreciate you guys once again for listening as always. Been getting a few voice messages and I appreciate that a lot. I got some messages the other day on a tweet where I asked about questions for the podcast. And some of those questions were uh, kind of general comparing uh, different positions, talking about rotation and outfield and stuff like that. But those are going to be topics obviously as we move forward. So I'm going to make sure to circle back maybe for tomorrow's episode to some of those questions that you asked me on Twitter. But if ever you do ask me some things and I forget to get to it, send me a reminder and say, hey, you said you're going to get to it and you didn't, and I'll be more than happy to do it. It's just sometimes I got a lot of balls in the air that I'm juggling, and I I am not the most uh, rememberable. Is that a word? I forget things sometimes is what I'm trying to say. So appreciate you guys once again for sticking around, and we will talk to you tomorrow for more B-Shape Daily live from Jupiter, Florida.